welcome back to the Gentle Catholic Parenting Podcast, where we explore gentle, positive principles of parenting through the lens of our Catholic faith. I'm Kim Cameron Smith, and this is episode 12. We hear a lot these days about helicopter parenting. So I'm going to be talking today about what is a helicopter parent? What are the problems for children when they've been parented this way? And is gentle parenting helicopter parenting? Obviously, I don't think it is. So I'll try to explain the difference between helicopter parenting and um, the kind of empathic, engaged parenting that, um, that we talk about on the show. And helicopter parenting is in the news big time right now because of the recent um, scandal involving many Hollywood stars and other wealthy people who kind of gamed the system to get their kids into elite colleges through bribes and manipulation. And this definitely is an example of helicopter parenting. Maybe I should define our terms. What's a helicopter parent? I've actually seen many different definitions, but basically, um, I mean, I've seen the definitions seem to be similar, but what seems to differ is in the examples the writer uses for um, what qualifies as a helicopter parent. A helicopter parent, the term comes, I think it actually, um, it started in the 60s. Some psychologist was talking about a kind of hovering behavior in parents. So helicopter parenting kind of stuck. So they hover over their children watching for dangers. Sometimes they're literal dangers. Sometimes they're, you know, danger of the child failing or whatever. Often clearing the child's path of any obstacles that would stand in their way of either what they want or their success. And probably for me, most troubling is fixing things for them when the child makes a mistake, covering up the child's um, you know, misjudgments, failures, in order to, um, you know, keep the child on the path that the parent thinks they should be on. It seems to be uh, very common in the context of school, but there are also issues um, related to safety. So um, the parent might not allow the child to take reasonable risks, like, um, of course, we wouldn't let a one-year-old in our front yard alone, but if we don't allow a 10-year-old in the front yard alone, uh, well, I guess it depends on where you live. So is that a helicopter parent? Um, the helicopter parent basically is very, they micromanage the child's life and do things for the child that they should be doing for themselves. So of course a parent should be protecting an 18 month old from falling out of a tree, but you know, you should probably let your 15 year old climb the tree if they want to. So you're not allowing the child to take reasonable risks and do things for themselves that they can be doing, that they should be doing for themselves. And what should they be doing for themselves? I often talk about this. I. Some people say you should never do something for your child that they can do for themselves. I disagree. My husband often does generous, kind-hearted things for me that I'm perfectly capable of doing for myself. That he does things for me, like little sweet things out of love. Like, um, I don't know, like 
bringing things in from my car for me or you know if I'm doing laundry I'll find that he has folded the clothes and one thing I, it's just so sweet he'll fold my clothes for me and put them on top of my dresser I love this because I mean if you have a lot of laundry to deal with you know how lovely that is am I capable of folding my own clothes of course but he just does it because he loves me similarly I will do things for my kids that they're perfectly capable of doing for themselves I will make them breakfast out of an act of love like to um part of my caretaking role is their mom I am their mom I am here to to care for you However, as they get older, I'm also watching for signs that they're ready to learn to cook for themselves and allowing them to like serve in my family and start cooking for the family. So, of course, my kids are capable of, um, you know, folding their own clothes and they almost always do. But for example, during exam in exam period, I, we homeschool but my kids take online classes and particularly my teenagers often the online exams they're all bunched up together and so in that week I don't ask them to do any chores other weeks yes they all have assigned chores but I'll do their chores for them am I helicoptering them I don't think so so um so anyway so you have to consider the context these there are always these caveats so let me sort of talk about um what people what uh theorists believe are the main effects on children when parents are um kind of overprotecting them they're over involved they're covering the child's track how does it affect the child long term long term it actually decreases the child's confidence the message to the child even if the parent doesn't intend it is that the parent doesn't trust them to handle these things on their own so the child comes to believe that maybe they really aren't capable of handling it that the only the parents capable of handling it another effect is that they never learn to cope with disappointment if the parent is preventing obstacles or problems in the child's life the child never learns to deal with disappointment and why is this bad why would we want i mean of course we don't want our kids to feel pain or to feel disappointment but hello it's inevitable like life is full of setbacks and disappointments they will not always get their way they won't always win they will not always be first and um if they don't learn to face these little disappointments these losses and our nose they'll be very okay i'm sorry my dog came, <laughs> my dog came into the room so he's she's um she's making noise in the background so if they never learn to handle these disappointments um in small areas like in the context of our relationship with them they should be learning this is called the adaptive process so in the context of our relationship with our children they experience little disappointments small setbacks and this um you know as they're maturing they they become stronger and they're able to have handle bigger setbacks so this is the thing is that helicopter kids don't experience that they kind of get everything they want or they never have to pull up their bootstraps and deal with setbacks related to this is a concern that they won't develop grit 
you know, what's grit? Grit is stick stick to when you fail, figuring out where you went wrong, and, um, you know, coming back from it, bouncing back from setbacks. Part of spiritual growth um, is the ability to get real and recognize our own failures and our darkness, the times that we sin. And um, I think this is related that if we're always making excuses for our, our kids and they can't face the reality that, you know, they lied or they might have cheated on a test or that they're, you know what I mean? Like they've made a mistake. They may make excuses for themselves or maybe always blame others for their problems. We all know grown-ups who can never accept responsibility for their mistakes. And that will hinder them in their spiritual development if they're always blaming other people. Another potential uh, problem when kids are helicopter parented is that they, uh, they, they lack emergent energy. So emergent energy is that spark within our children. It comes in flashes or maybe in flickers where they're curious about something. They wanna try something that's a little bit too hard for them. They, they try th a little of this, a little of that. They, um, they reach beyond themselves. And, um, you know, this is healthy. Kids should have a desire to, to learn new things, to try to do things for themselves. And it's not there all the time. It comes in little flickers. But when we are always doing everything for our kids, they don't, they don't have this. And it's necessary for children, um, for their healthy maturing to have this. So sometimes kids want to do things that they're not capable of doing for themselves. But if we give them a chance over time, they, um, you know, we give them a chance to try if it's, a, if it's appropriate and eventually they can, they can do it. But when um, parents are always doing everything for their kids, they're always doing their chores, they're always doing their laundry, they're, they're keeping um, the child from developing competence and managing their own life. So they never really become individuated. They never become really independent. And I wonder too um, how this impacts a child's faith life. Because what message are we sending to the child? Don't we want our child to grow up willing to take risks for God and for the church? Sometimes um, on our path of discipleship, we're called to do hard things, sometimes scary and even uncomfortable things. Heroic virtue takes guts and sacrifice. Do we really want our kids to think we're the answer to all their problems? Where's God in all this? When our kids get themselves into a jam, shouldn't we be training them to be humble and to seek forgiveness and to make amends? Isn't God's mission for them and their holiness more important than, I don't know, their academic success? I don't know, I'm just thinking about this, that um, there's, this seems to be lost in the big picture. So I do want to mention that I've seen a few new studies, very, very new, and I haven't been able to follow the rabbit trail. So I'm not sure what um, the studies are based on, but basically I'm not sure how large the sample was, what the assumptions were, what sort of questions they were asking the parents. 
but in these in in both studies that I just saw come across um, you know my email list it suggested that kids who were helicopter parented actually didn't fare as badly as um, you know experts feared or expect and um, one thought is that maybe nowadays kids have no hope unless their parents are very involved that it's just so intense academics are so intense that um you know i did see one little um blurb that the kids do better um but they still tend to have problems with managing their own lives so anyway i'll maybe i'll do a follow-up show and i'll read those and um do a follow-up show on those okay so the big question is gentle parenting helicopter parenting. A lot of people assume immediately when they hear that, um, you know, I do a podcast on gentle parenting that I must be a helicopter parent. Loving your child, spending time with them, thinking about their well-being, what they need to thrive, that is not helicopter parenting. I mean, you're, you're, if you're invested in your child's well-being, um, you want to protect your child's dignity. This is just prudence. It's just being a wise parent. So I heard a really important distinction between, you know, more gentle, empathic um, approaches to parenting and um, helicopter parenting. And it all boils down to the motivation of the parent. Gentle parents make choices for the good of the child's flourishing. But helicopter parents are usually operating from fear. They might be fearful that their child will fail. They cannot tolerate the child being anything but the best. They can't imagine their child being anything but spectacular. Or they might be very alarmed by their child's maturing. They're very alarmed that the child is um, you know, growing up and moving away from them. They hold on too tight. What is too tight? So I often say, hold on to your kids, based on Gordon Neufeld's term. Hold on to your kids. What do I mean by that? How is that different from the kind of suffocating um, in helicopter parenting? Yes, hold on to your children emotionally until they're mature enough to fly on their own. We hold on to them so that we are the answer to their attachment hungers. If we aren't the answer, our child will find an answer in their peers or in popular culture or in artificial attachments like gaming. So in immature children, we have to hold on to them until they are mature enough to hold on to themselves. That's why we're holding on to them. We hold on to them until they're they do, you know, they're able to hold on to their values and their identity while they're with their peers. And during this process, we let go at times when we see that emergent spark. So if the child has an idea they want to explore or um, a field of study they're curious about, we support that and we give them a chance to practice that, you know, emergence in their individuality and to try appropriate risks. So I have an example. So my son, Dominic, he's 13. His best friend and uh, Dominic and his best friend, we live probably only about a 
maybe a half a mile from them. And when they were younger, Dominic and his best friend, Luke, they all they wanted to walk back and forth to one another's house. And um, but his mom and I were a little nervous. There were some busy streets. So when they were little, we would, um, you know, just drive them back and forth or an older sibling would take them. Well, Luke went away for a year. The parents are in the Navy. Stephanie's actually this is my friend Stephanie, who's Luke's mom. She's going to be a guest on my show. She was in the Navy and her husband is still in, in the Navy. And anyway, dad was deployed and the family went with them for a year. And they're back now. And when they came back, the boys were older. So Luke is, I think he's 12, almost 13, and Dominic is 13. So Stephanie and I decided the boys are not only old enough to ride back and forth to one another's house, but we let them ride their bikes to a pizza parlor and they paid for their pizza they um, sat down and basically it was a big deal that they did this for the first time they went and paid for their food and or ordered their food paid for it sat down ate dinner and then rode their bikes back home so this was emergence they wanted to when they were you know eight or nine were like uh. You know, when I was little, we would be riding back and forth to each other's houses. I would leave in the morning on my bike and I didn't come home until dark. But times are different. There are more cars and, you know, I don't know. Maybe if we lived in a different town, and maybe I am being a little overprotective. This is all, you know, an art. This is not a perfect science trying to figure out when is when should we let go and when should we hold on. We sort of take take a stab at it and sometimes we should let our child ride their bikes to the friend's house, but you know, it's also our own comfort level. So um so anyway, then later Dominic wanted to ride his bike across town. I forget where he wanted to go. I think it was to a smoothie shop or something. And to go there would mean a crossing traffic. It's all very far. I think it might be three miles. And so right now I said no. And so this is just for now. We'll kind of see how he matures. And this is the thing. We kind of have to, oh, you know, get a feel for what's our child ready for. But if I always said no, you know, if he's 18 and I'm still saying, no, you can't ride your bike to the pizza parlor, that is holding on too tight. So we, so healthy parents hold on and protect their kids, but they don't suffocate them. They don't suffocate them and hold them back from maturing. They're willing to participate in the dance of maturity, sometimes letting the child reach out and try something new. And then our child comes back to us, needing a little reassurance, and then they stretch, they stretch again. And sometimes we get it wrong in both directions. Like I said, sometimes we hold on too tight, sometimes we let them go too soon, and then we correct course. Oh well, this is life. We're, parenting's walking blind sometimes. But for helicopter parents, it is not about the child's stretching his wings and trying new things. For helicopter parents, it's about them and what they need. It's about their anxiety about losing the child or about their child failing. It's not what they're not focusing on what the child needs to become a whole person. So please know that you can be incredibly generous with your love and not be 
a helicopter parent. You just have to know when to step back and allow your child to spread his wings a little. All that being said, I do want to um, say that I, you know, there's a continuum. Some of us lean more towards the helicopter parenting when we get off course and others of us you know, tend to be a little too withdrawn and we have to work on engaging. Well, I definitely lean more towards helicopter parenting, especially in the um, the area of academics. So I'm often, I mean, I went through a very competitive and intense academic environment where getting a B was not an option. You had to be at the top and it was very intense. So I'm just kind of learning to to just chill out and just let my kids enjoy learning. And I mean, I want them to be successful, but it's a, it's been a journey for me to, um, you know, I had one, I have one child who, you know, went through high school and now he's, he's actually in seminary now, but he um, began in college and is now transferred to seminary. And my second, I have four kids and the second one is going into 11th grade this year. When they start getting into the later high school years, that's when my, I really kind of start feeling concerned about what are their chances? I need to make sure they have good study habits. And of course, some of this is prudence, but I do honestly, if they you know don't do well on a test, oh my goodness, I can just feel um, very anxious. So it's okay. It's okay that I feel that way. I need to be honest with myself about how I feel, but I need to just not communicate my anxiety to my kids. I just need to be calm. And what I need to do is teach them to manage their schedules and, te- and help them find their path. It's okay to have high expectations, but it should be about them and their flourishing, not about you know me and my anxiety. Okay, and I also wanted to share with you, um, I read something in Romano Gardini's book, Learning the Virtues. It really struck a chord with me, and it's related to what we're talking about. It's about the virtue of kindness. Listen to his definition of kindness. True kindness allows to life a proper space and freedom of movement. It even gives and provides these for only in this way can life grow and develop. Let me say that again. True kindness allows to life a proper space and freedom of movement. It even gives and provides these, for only in this way can life grow and develop. And then he follows that up by talking about dominating people, like how a parent or a spouse who's Dominate, too dominating actually thwarts life in the other family member. They, that person's not interested in the well-being of the other person. They just want to control everything. And so this reminded me a little bit of helicopter parents who really for good, um, you know, they're, they, they come from a very good place of, um, you know, wanting to protect their child and love their child. But, um, really, you know, they're not considering long-term um, their child's development, especially their the development of their character. Maybe they're too blinded by fear and maybe even pride, believing they can control everything or just putting too much emphasis on external success and accolades. On the other hand, being Olymp noodles no better. Gardini explains the difference between 
good-naturedness and kindness. So some people are good-natured, but really they're kind of cowards. They're super passive, and they're not willing to confront injustices or wrongs. So they're super nicey-nice-nice, but they are not willing to stretch themselves to do the right thing. So this is, you know, I think parents, we can do this. I know I do this. So if I avoid conflicts with my kids, and you know I'm not firm with my nose if I don't follow through on my rules and my limits I am not being kind I'm being too passive that's not kindness okay so my bit the big um, point that I want to leave you with allowing our children the freedom to explore to take healthy risks and even sometimes fail to take responsibility for their mistakes to try things that might seem too hard, this is life-giving, this is kindness. When we try to make everything perfect and guard our children against any kind of setback or disappointment, we're not being kind, we're preventing their flourishing and their growth in virtue. That's it for today. You can read show notes for this podcast on my website, intentionalcatholicparenting.com. There you will find articles, links to research on parenting and child development, and you'll also find links to um, my Twitter and Facebook page. I also have an author's website now, kimcameronsmith.com. So please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Pray for me as I will for you. Have a great day. 